<laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that smattering of applause. That's really, really good and heartfelt. Um, hey, good morning, everybody. So glad that you came to worship Jesus with us. Uh, hope you make yourself at home. Uh, if we don't get a chance to meet, I would love to do that afterwards as well. Glad you're here. Let's dive right in. Are you ready? Let's pray about this and let's do it. Heavenly Father, we love you so much and we're grateful that your spirit is here because it resides in every one of us. And so this morning, we just ask that you would uh, cause our hearts to be open and that you would um, let the seed of the word of God fall on good soil this morning. We pray that you would help us to become more like you and the people that you desire for us to be. We love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we give you this time in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Uh, most of you know that my dad is a pastor. And um, when he was younger, in his younger years, he's going to Bible school. And he's a, I don't know, if you met my dad, he's kind of a zealous guy. Uh, it's one way to describe him. Charismatic might be another way to describe him. And that has probably a couple meanings. But he's, a, he's an incredible man. I love him very much. And when he was younger, um, very zealous. And so he's in Bible school, young man, going through, trying to figure out how to be a pastor. And so he's driving down the road one afternoon. And as he's driving down the road, he sees this young junior high boy. Junior high boy just walking down the road. I don't know if he was hitching or what he was doing. Apparently he's a little safer back then, maybe. But this kid's walking. And so my dad feels stirred. He feels like, I need to do something. And so he pulls the car over next to this junior high boy, opens the door, and invites him to come in. Already, this is going south. <laughs> so the little boy, the boy gets into the car and they start driving away. And my dad starts asking him questions about where he's going and what he's doing. And the kid's answering, you know, a little, little nervously. And so my dad is feeling like the Lord is speaking to him and saying, you need to say something. You need to say something. You need to share the gospel. You need to help him understand this is life or death. This is heaven or hell. This is serious. This is eternity at stake. And so my dad, thinking, processing, hearing the voice of God, wondering what he should say, he looks over at this junior high boy and he says, are you ready to die? <laughs> to which, of course, the junior high boy is like, no. <laughs> panic, the blood drains from his face. And he's sitting there and my dad's like, oh no, 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 it's not a big deal. And he starts reaching for the glove compartment. Like, like to get his Bible or tract or something, he's reaching for the glove department. He's like, ah! and so he's freaking out. So my dad pulls over really quick and trying to get the tract out. While he's doing that, the kid opens the door and bolts. He just takes off, running down the road, probably screaming. And today, that kid's got a great story. My dad also has a great story. He's just, it's just embarrassing is all. Can you believe this? You know what, though? This is like, this is like, this typifies for me the way that we feel about this. So many of us feel this way. Like, like, oh, hearing the voice of God, saying what he wants me to say, doing what he wants me to do. I don't know. I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to look at somebody and say, are you ready to die? Right? <laughs> We're afraid. We're afraid of this because we don't want to screw this up. And that's good. We shouldn't screw this up. But if you're new around here, if it's one of your first times to hang out with us, we've been in the middle of a series and we're talking about this idea. We're talking about being able to hear the voice of God. And we're calling it frequency because we're talking about this idea that God is speaking. I believe that God is speaking all the time to us. Just like a radio broadcaster, just like a guy broadcasting his voice on radio waves all the time, I believe that God's voice is always wanting to say something to us. The only question is whether or not we're tuned into the right frequency. Are we putting ourselves in a position where we can really hear what he has to say? 
Are we able to hear through all the voices of culture and, and, and friends and family and parents and coworkers? Are we able to hear through all that stuff to hear what God wants to say to us? John 8, 47 says this. It says, he who is of God hears God's words. He who is of God hears God's words. One of the main characteristics of your life as a follower of Jesus Christ is that you can hear the voice of God. It's a pretty incredible benefit that you get. It's not something that's just reserved for the extraordinary. It's not just reserved for the elite, the people who have a deep well of spirituality. It's not just reserved for them. It's reserved for all of us. It's not for professional Christians, whatever those might be. It's for you and me. It's for all of us. He who is of God gets to hear God's words. And so I know that there's a little bit of anxiety that surrounds this topic for a lot of people. And I know there's even a lot of doubts like, oh, not me, I couldn't do it. But here's what I want. Uh, My hope and prayer as your pastor is that we would decide that we're gonna be the people who are gonna believe that this is true. (laughs) That we're gonna be the kind of people who believe that God wants to speak to us because he likes us and because he wants us, he's got a plan and he wants us to pursue that plan and fulfill it for here in this area and Kyle and your family, at your workplace, all over the place, God has some things that he wants for us to do. So if you are a child of God, you need this. You need to be able to hear his voice to do what he wants you to do. And if you're not, frankly, then I just think something is missing. You're missing out on this incredible part of your faith. Something's missing and something is off. Like, like we gotta figure this thing out because we all need it. And I think that the greatest, pers- the greatest reason why people don't get this or understand why God and how God can speak to us, I think they miss it because they don't realize the practical ways that God speaks to us. That it's not this big, airy, fairy, crazy thing that happens. It's actually really practical. Now, can God give you a dream? Yeah, sure. Could God give you a vision? Yeah, absolutely. Could God speak to you in a big, booming voice? That's as big as booming as mine gets. It's kind of prepubescent. Um, can God speak to you by writing something on a wall? Yeah, absolutely. He did all of that in scriptures. You can read every one of those stories. But these are always the exception. They're not the rule. This is not what happens every time. Now, this is what everybody wants. Everybody's like, oh, God, would you please just write it across the sky in fire and lightning? But that's not the way that it works most of the time. So what we're doing is we're kind of working through, I think, the the more common ways that God speaks to us. And last week we talked about, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how God speaks through what we call the inward witness. Here's this verse in Romans 8, 16. It says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if you missed this a couple weeks ago, I want to encourage you to go to onechapel.com and go check it out. We're still trying to figure out our recording here. Hopefully, we're getting that done today for our messages to be up online. But you can go listen to Russ or Ross, and they're fine. All right, so... um. <laughs> Not good. Um, uh, speaking of, if we're recording, let's edit that part out. Okay, thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> but the inward witness, I think, is one of the most common ways that God speaks to us. The inward witness, it's this thing where, where he bears witness with something that's already happening. The important thing about this inward witness is that it's a response. It's a response to something that's already happening. It's a response to a decision you've already made. You've got a plan. You've got an action. You've got a a voice. You've got something that's in motion and God bears witness and says yes or he says no. He says yes, keep going. Or he gives you kind of a gut check and you say, oh, that doesn't feel quite right. I don't think I'm supposed to do that. 
But the thing about it is it's a response to movements that you're already making. You move forward, he gives you peace, or he gives you a red light. You can't drive a parked car. It just sits there. You have to give some momentum in order for it to have some direction. And I think that's how God speaks to us, probably most of the time. But uh, today we're going to talk about the second way that I think he does this. And we'll call it the inner voice. God speaks through, I think, the inner voice. Listen to this verse in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there or you can look up here on the screen. Then God told Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Still, small voice. Now, all of us, we, we, want, the, we want the earthquake. Show up in the fire. Make it clear, because I'm kind of stupid. Like, really help me out to do this. But oftentimes he just comes in this still, small voice that we would call the, the inner voice, the inside voice. Use your inside voice this inner voice in you. It's not a voice that you hear with your physical ears. It's something that's deep down in you. It's in your spirit. It's in your heart. For me, most of the time, I, I, I try to explain it like this. It's like, a, it's like a thought, but it's a thought across my heart. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily come from up here. It's like it comes from down here. It's a, it's a thought. It's a, it's a feeling. It's, it's words. It's a, it's a thought across my heart. That's how it works for me most of the time. But the way that God speaks to us in this inner voice, it's really similar to how God speaks to us in an audible voice. Let's take out a couple examples of this in the scriptures. Because no matter what it is, whether this big booming, it's a huge sign, or it's just the inner voice, the response to either one of those has to be the same. So Acts 10, 1 through 8, we're going to read this story about Peter. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So we've got this centurion named Cornelius. He lives some miles north of Joppa, and he's a Gentile. But over the years, being around the people of God, the, the Israelites, he's been exposed to them. And so he's come to believe in the one true God of the Israelites. He knows that the God of Israel is the one true God. But he doesn't know anything about Jesus. Right? He, he doesn't understand. He doesn't know anything about how to be saved. He's, he's confused about how all of this stuff works. He doesn't know anything about salvation, but he's hungry. He's like hungry for the things of God. He wants some more. He just doesn't quite get it. Anybody? Totally. Hungry, but he doesn't quite get it. So an angel shows up, which is pretty rad, and he tells him where he can find this man who would tell him how to be saved. So this Roman centurion, he sends his, his servants to go do what the angel said. And then in verse 9, it says, The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. Everybody said amen. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Everybody said amen. 
and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. It's weird. So big sheet, four corners being let down to the earth in this vision. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. So there's no confusion here at all. There's a big sheet with animals coming out of the sky and a voice that says, hey, Peter, get up, kill these and eat them. Right? It's really easy. So in verse, so uh, check out Peter's response, what he, what he does. Oh, actually, some of these animals, so, so, the, so it's a mixture, right? Some of these animals are kosher, like he's allowed to eat them according to the law. And then some of them are not kosher, and so he is not allowed. He's grown up his whole life knowing we do not eat these animals here. And so Peter's response here in verse 14, he says, Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. First of all, this should give you hope. Like, this is Peter, okay? This is one of the disciples. Like, he wrote books of the Bible. Like, this is a pretty great guy. He understands a lot of stuff. This happened three times. Like, this should give you a little bit of hope, a little bit of peace. You're not that far off. You're okay. Now, should we pattern ourselves after Peter, the guy who sticks his foot in his mouth, the guy who Jesus says, get behind me, Satan? Okay, maybe not. But, but the fact of the matter is, this happens three times for this guy. And he's trying to figure out, because he recognizes this voice of God, because he responds. He says, not so, Lord. He's heard something. He understands. So most likely, he's hearing this audible voice. Something is really happening for him. And you'd think that'd be it. Like, that's all he would need. But it wasn't, because this is kind of how it works. When you hear something, there's not always a lot of details. Like, have you noticed this? It's not always totally full of information. It's not chock full of stuff for you to do. Peter gets, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And again, this is striking. Like, this is a total, this is a total uh, turnaround from, from the way that he's lived his whole life, a total change of life, and that doesn't make sense. He says, not so, but in verse 15, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And that's all he gets. There's not much here. There's not a whole lot of information. So Peter's just trying to, he's trying to figure out what's going on just based on face value, on what he knows, on the facts of what's going on right here. Peter thinks, I guess God's dealing with, the, with eating these different animals. He, he's worried about my diet, apparently. Like he's just trying to wrestle and, and figure it through. But there was a bigger issue at hand that God wanted to deal with. He's gonna get there in a second. And a lot of times, I just think when God speaks to us, it's like this. It's like a piece of a puzzle. You, you know something, but you don't, you don't have the whole thing. And so sometimes, there's not a lot you can do. <laughs> like, sometimes you just got to hold on. Sometimes you just got to wait. Sometimes you just got to figure out and wait for the next step. But there's a reason why God is saying something to you. It matters. It's important. And so it's something that you should hold on to. It's something that you should honor. It's something that you should pray about and start to work with. But not necessarily move on it. When Maria and I have talked quite a bit about our uh, getting together and, and God speaking to me about her in my younger years, but uh, w- before we started dating, like obviously I had my eye on her for quite some time. Now she was dating some guy in New York, or I don't know who cares, but, but, I, <laughs> but I had my eye on her for quite some time. And so, so I, I, wanted to, I wanted to go out with her. Now, my roommate, his name was Taryn. He's a good dude because he knew this, and so he would work with me. So he would always go to Maria and say, um, hey, because he knew her really well, too. We traveled together, went to Nigeria together. And he said, uh, hey, so um, are you still dating that guy in New York? And she'd be like, oh, yeah, I sure am. He'd be like, no, okay. And so he'd come back, and he'd tell me, right? <laughs> so one day he asked, and she said, no, no, we broke up. He was like, hmm, 
hmm, okay. So he comes back to the dorm. I remember the day. He comes in the room. He shuts the door. He's like, dude, they broke up. I was like, <laughs> So, you know, I needed to let her grieve, so I let her grieve for about an hour, and then I called her. <laughs> I'm not kidding. My dad would always say, you boys are too slow when it comes to girls. You need to, so I acted. So, so I called her up, and I said, hey, you want to go out? You want to go out on Friday? And she was like, yeah, okay, sure. And so we set our first date. This is it. We're going to happen. I, I, I put it together. I put it, we went to the zoo, and we went to a really nice Italian restaurant, and I took her to this really cool park where there's loads of fireflies, and it's super romantic, except there were no fireflies, and it wasn't romantic at all. But, <laughs> but we had this date ready, and so we went out. So, so we had about two weeks of school left, and I was about to go lead a team to South Africa during that summer. And so I was in preparation for all of that, but now this opportunity has opened up. There's two weeks before I leave and everybody goes to summer break and she goes back to New York. So what am I gonna do? So I'm like, I gotta get all the time in that I can. I gotta make her fall in love with me in the next two weeks. I gotta turn on the charm. I gotta put on the, how are you doing? I gotta do all the stuff, put out the vibe. Like I gotta make it happen. And so as I'm making plans, I felt like the Lord said to me, stop, wait, wait, just wait. It's not the time yet. Not the time. Go on the, go. Just, I, I just knew I was supposed to do the trip and I was supposed to come back. I didn't know it was after that. I didn't have a whole lot of details. I just knew he said, stop, focus on this. And so I did. Now the story gets better because she wrote me a letter uh, while I was away and I came back to Colorado Springs and uh, Ross and Amy had opened said letter and read it in full. Uh, <laughs> Of course, then they said, I was like, how dare you? I, that's like a federal offense. I am reporting both of you. And they said, she likes you. And I was like, oh, okay, tell me more. Um, <laughs> sometimes you don't have a lot of details. Wait, don't do it yet. But, but, yeah, but, 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 but I like her a lot, but I, but I think this might be the one. But I'm like, wait, but I don't know what to do. Okay, just wait, hold on to it. Keep just that one thing and keep moving forward. The second thing about this, when you hear God's voice, I think God expects you to judge it. He doesn't expect you just to go and do it. He expects you to take time and look and judge it. Peter, the voice says, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter immediately says, not so. I've never eaten anything uncommon or common or unclean. In other words, I can't do that. I've got to abide by the written word. I've got the word. And he had the word. He had the law written down, and he'd studied it, and he knew what it was. And the law said they were forbidden to eat those types of animals. Man, I wish that more of us would do this today. I wish that more of us would hear something and get something and go, oh, okay, what does that mean? I need to look at what the word says. I need to find out what he has to say about this. I want to I figure out if this is where he's really leading me or not and judge this by the word of God. Because just, like, just because you feel like the Holy Spirit is leading you to do something, it doesn't mean that you ignore the word. It doesn't mean that you just surpass that This is the only thing that I've got to go on, and so that's what I'm going to do. You've got you've to back up. You've got to judge this stirring, this leading based on what God has already said in his word. What was the voice of God trying to get Peter to do here with the sheets and the animals and saying, you can eat it all. He was trying to get Peter to go and preach to the Gentiles, not just the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. That's the point of this whole thing. But he didn't get any of that yet. All he's got is take, eat, eat what you can eat all of this stuff. So he's, he's trying to send him out to go to the Gentiles. Um, now, does that agree with the word of God? Yeah, Absolutely. We can read Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We can read in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All these things, we know that Jesus wants to do this. Like this word nations that you read in Matthew 28, in the Greek, it's this word ethnos. 
ethnos, which means ethnic groups. <laughs> Jesus is saying, go and make disciples of all ethnic groups. Go out and do it. Now, this by itself should have let them know that Gentiles, because <clears throat> Jesus, the word, had spoken this. And so this should let them know, okay, the Gentiles can, in fact, be saved. But they weren't sure about this yet. So what happens is Peter, he hears this. He hears this word, but he starts filtering through all of his prejudices and biases. He starts working through all the stuff that he already knows. And what he decides is actually contrary to the word, because he's not even sure that he should go do it, because he doesn't believe the Gentiles should be saved. So when you hear this inner voice, just like Peter, you've got to check it. You've got to check with the word of God. And if it doesn't agree 100%, then chuck it out. Throw it away. It's not God. The written word always takes precedent over what you think is the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because we're human beings. We can easily misinterpret it. We can easily tweak it to fit our own agendas. We can easily have preconceived ideas or biases that, that, uh, of how we think God is supposed to do something, the way he's going to do something. And so this pure thing comes in and we filter it and it comes out different. It is kind of like this, right? You've got, you've got what God wants to say to you and it's pure and crystal clear and clean and perfect in every way. And then you've got us and we're kind of this, uh, you know, we're this, this conduit through which he wants to flow. And he wants to send his voice and he wants to send his anointing and he wants to send things through to minister to other people. He wants all of this stuff to happen and so he gives you a word, crystal pure and clean and when it pours in, it starts moving in. But what comes out oftentimes is not as clean as it went in. Why? Because we've all got stuff in us. We've all, we've all got preconceived notions of God. We've all got ways that we view God. And he's, boy, that really smells bad. What did we dig up? And that illustrates the point. It really smells bad. Like, like we think, uh, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm excited about doing it. But, but, but it mixes with all the stuff that's in our hearts. And it comes out far different than the way that God in immediately and in, in first intention for it to be. Dirty and impure and unclean. This is why it's important, everybody. This is why it's important for us to check it against the word so that doesn't happen. To check it. This is another reason why it's important for our devotional lives to be strong, for us to fall in love with Jesus, for us to be more than Sunday believers where we come in, worship a few songs, and then listen to a guy yell at you for a few minutes but go home and read the word for yourself and figure out what it says and be the person that God wants you to be. Let him cleanse you. Let him work in you. Let him dig down deep inside of you and get that mess out of you so that when he wants to flow through you, it can be pure and clean and come out just the way he intended it for, for it to be. I think it's important that we judge what we think we're hearing because the Holy Spirit is never the one who's off. He's perfect in every way. He doesn't screw this up. We do. We're weird. We're human. Anytime you've got the God of the universe trying to move through a person, there's weird dynamics there. But we can do this. We've got to deal with this. And the way that we deal with it is we get into the word and we judge what we're hearing by the word of God. And he helps us. Let's keep moving here. The thing about hearing the voice of God, and I think this is really true, God doesn't speak very often through an audible or an inner voice. Like the, the one that we all want, that's not the one that happens very often. When you read through the scriptures, you don't see this all over the place. Like it seems like it's happening everywhere, but it's not. So I think we have to be cautious and careful about this. God doesn't speak that way that often. Through the years, I've heard lots of people say this, man. Oh, God speaks to me all day long. He does. I got up this morning. I was getting, about to get dressed and he said, oh, 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 don't do the blue shirt. He told me to put on the green shirt. So I put on the green shirt. I don't know. I'm sure he's got a purpose today for my green shirt. 
I sat down to the restaurant and God said, oh, don't order the chicken. You should get the steak. Ribeye. Right? Like, that's what God said. And so that's what I'm going to do. Oh, I was having a conversation and God said, bah, 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 bah. don't say that. Say this. Right? You've heard these people talk like this. Now, can God speak to us that way? Absolutely. Does God speak to us that way? Absolutely. Am I a good judge of whether or not God's doing that in a person? No, I am not. But here's what I do believe. I believe that God wants all of us to be mature. Who do you speak to all the time to tell them what to do? Children. Your kids. Hey, okay, 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 okay. don't do that. Hey, stop doing that. Stop yelling at your sister. Hey, stop doing that. Don't pinch him. Don't do that. Stop talking like that. Say please. Say thank you. Say I'm sorry. Stop doing it. Where's your shoe? Why do you always lose one shoe five minutes before we're trying to leave the house? Stop picking your nose. Don't do that, right? This, this is the way it goes all the time. You have to tell them everything. Go brush your teeth. Go to bed. Go do this. Go pick up your room. Go put some pants on, please, right? You have to keep telling them all these things that they're supposed to do. I don't want to do that to my kids for the rest of their lives. I am not interested in doing that. I'm happy to do it now. I do not want to do it for the rest of their days. And just like that, God wants to work the same in you. He doesn't expect you to hear everything that he wants to tell you all day long. That's for immature people. He's given you the word of God. He's instilled his spirit in you. He's given you some things that you know you can do. And he doesn't have to tell you everything to do all day. What I want my kids to do is I want them to grow up knowing the values that I've instilled in them. We are parsleys. We don't lie. We are parsleys. We say hello to people. We shake their hands. We look them in the eye. We We treat them with honor and respect. We are parsley. This is what we do. These are the values that we have. And just like that, his values are in you. You already know what they are. And they're in you. And so you can live and work and move. And so you don't need this audible voice. You don't need this inner voice all the time. It's not necessary for you. So I think when God speaks through it, it's to arrest your attention. It's to get a hold of you. It's to help you understand. The story that I've used a ton is the story of me and my wife when I was in Nigeria and God spoke to me about her. And he arrested my attention. He said, son, behold your wife. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, I just wouldn't have listened. I just, I, you know, my dad's right. We're too slow. Oh, I like you. It would have been terrible. But some, he arrested my attention and said, this is what I want you to do. And this is what I have for you. Now, again, I think it's important. I heard that. What did I do with it? Nothing. I tucked it away. I kept it for a year and a half before I told a soul about it. And the night that I proposed to her, after we were engaged, I told her the story, and it was this incredible God moment. If I had given it all away right away, she would have said, uh, you crazy. <laughs> it would have never worked. Because <laughs> at ORU, actually, where we went to school, she had boys do that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So we got to wrap this up. So the way this works is, is that when you hear something, I believe that it'll work with other things. So when you hear uh, his voice, it, his voice will work together with other things that are happening. Look at the end of Peter's story. Acts 10, 17 through 20. Now, while Peter wondered within himself, Peter's confused. Hmm, what does all this mean? Uh, with this vision he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and they stood before the gate. So all these guys who Cornelius sent, they're now here at the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, his, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. This is a rad story. 
So Peter's still confused, not sure exactly what to do. He's just got pieces. Okay, I've seen this vision. I've heard this like audible voice of God speaking words to me. Now I think he's hearing an inner voice of God saying, okay, there's, there's three men, go downstairs. And so, and, and so at the same time, God's working on the other end and sending these servants from Cornelius' house to Peter. Like it's all lining up incredibly. All these pieces are coming together to present the story. So now with all these pieces, he's got something concrete he can do. He's starting to see a complete picture. Go downstairs and talk to him. And if there's three men there, he knows he's heard from God. He nailed it. So when you hear this audible voice or this inner voice, I think it's important to pay attention. You might, you might need to take it and whatever you hear, just like I did with Maria, you might need to file it away. Don't give it out too soon. Look for other pieces. Look for other clues of what God is doing. File it away. You might need, on the other hand, to go. You might need to go check something out. You might need to ask questions. Whatever the case, if it doesn't make sense to you, relax. <laughs> Don't make any hasty moves. I would have destroyed this relationship with this woman if I would have said, Jesus told me we're supposed to get married. <laughs> would not have happened. But I think this is where people get into trouble. They start acting on a voice because they've heard it. And so they ignore the word of God. They don't go to check it out or to judge it. And they abandon wisdom. They abandon the word of God. They, they abandon the advice of, of friends. They abandon everything to follow after this, this voice that they may have messed up. Ignoring wise and godly counsel. Just, just going to do it. Oh, you don't understand. I heard from God. Maybe. But you've got to check it out. You've got to prove it. You can't just play the God card on people every time. You familiar with the God card? It's really frustrating because what more can you say? God said. Well, I guess the conversation's over then. <laughs> Take some time. Check it out. Let's finish this. So a couple rules of thumb as we close for listening to God's voice. Number one, don't seek to hear. Don't ask for. Don't listen for voices. Uh, typically, if you're hearing voices in your head, there are other issues at play. People in the Bible who heard an inner voice or heard an audible voice, I believe as I read through scripture, they weren't looking for it. They weren't asking, oh God, speak to me in a booming voice. Most of the time they're doing something else and it comes to them out of the blue. That's typically the way it's happened through me throughout the years. I'm not looking, I'm not, I'm not like that night in Nigeria, I'm on the platform in a church and I wasn't looking for anything, I wasn't thinking about it, I liked her, but that was as far as it went. And boom, something happened. And I felt like I knew that inner voice had spoken to me. This is the way that God commonly speaks to me. And I think he'll do it for you too. But I've never been able to predict it or force it to happen or make it happen at any certain time. It typically just comes out of nowhere when you're not expecting it. So don't ask. Don't ask, oh God, would you please speak to me? I mean, that's so dangerous. That's really, I mean, what, who knows? God, I'm so mad at my coworker. Uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm so angry. I feel like I need to punch him in the face. I just, I'm gonna punch him in the face. God, how do you feel about me punching him in the face? You said yes. I know you said yes because I just know it's a very strong yes in my spirit. <laughs> you can't trust that stuff. <laughs> so don't look for it. The second thing, when you're seeking God's direction, just do it according to his plan, not yours. Do it according to his plan. The scriptures tell us there are two practical things that we are to seek. Number one, we seek wisdom. James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. We are supposed to regularly ask God for wisdom. When people read this verse a lot of times, I think they read it the wrong way. They say, if any of you lacks knowledge, then ask for the knowledge. 
That's not what he's saying. Knowledge is it's just study. It's learning. It's, it's gained by listening or experience. But wisdom, wisdom is insight into the mind of God and the plan of God. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge evenly and wisely. So we need to seek it. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And so you and I, instead of praying, oh God, speak to me with a loud voice or speak to me in an inner voice, we should instead be saying, God, just give me wisdom. Give me wisdom and help me to know. Help me to apply the knowledge of the situation wisely and evenly. Help me, give me your wisdom and he'll do it. God, help me with my kids. I'm, I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do. Oh God, give me wisdom with them and he will. God, my wife and I, we just keep fighting. We don't really. She's awesome. She's the best. But God, God uh, hypothetically, I'm, 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 I'm fighting with my wife. I just can't. I, I'm just a jerk. I can't seem to. Well, more, more often, it's, she's such a jerk. But we're just jerks, and I can't seem to do this right. Give me wisdom. God, I don't know about this promotion. If it's right or wrong, give me wisdom. Give us wisdom, and he will. The second thing we're supposed to do is seek peace. You seek wisdom, and you seek peace. These are things the scripture tells us to do when you want to hear the voice of God. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all people. It doesn't mean you just should get along with everybody. That's not what this verse is saying. That's good, but that's only part of it. We're supposed to seek peace. Seek peace in every situation. Seek peace in every circumstance with every person. So as I'm praying for wisdom, as I'm seeking peace, as I'm taking steps of faith, as I'm listening for the Holy Spirit to bear witness with me, as I'm checking this and I hear the voice of God and I'm checking it against the scriptures and and asking for godly counsel, God is putting the pieces together. They're agreeing and saying the same thing and I can move forward with what he wants me to do. Does that make sense? Why don't you close your eyes for a second? With all this in mind, I want to ask if you do something with me. In just a moment, <clears throat> we're going to receive communion. So you guys can start getting those elements ready, but we won't pass them just yet. <laughs> I hear the cups going. They're not in the cups, actually. We're going to do it different today. <laughs> People are getting nervous. They left me out. <laughs> I do want you to close your eyes, though, because I want you to focus in here for a second. We're actually going to pass in just a moment. We're going to pass the elements and uh, they're going to take them. You, you'll take them. And then I'd, I'd like to ask you just to hold on to them. And we're going to receive them together as a family in unity here before we go. There's a powerful thing that happens when you do that. Even in the passing of it, I think there's just a, there's just a, a unity that happens as you share the body and the blood with the person who's seated next to you. I think it's a powerful and pretty cool thing. So we'll pass those in just a moment. But before that, I just want to ask you a couple questions. Like today, maybe you're realizing with all these puzzle pieces that I'm laying out that God has been speaking to you. But you've not been willing to take the step. You've not been willing to do that thing that it seems that he's asking you to do. Maybe God's been speaking to you about something, but you've, you've been disobedient. You've been trying to ignore it. or You think you don't have the, the skill or the ability. If you're wanting to hear from God, then need to ask him about that stuff. Is there something he's already told you? Is there something that he's already given you, but you've, you've not been obedient to what he's already said to do? So many times, I think, we stop being able to hear his voice because we just stop doing what he's already asked us to do. We stop doing the things he's already told us to do in the scriptures. 
Is there somebody that God's been telling you to go and talk to today? Is there a step of faith that God's been asking you to take? And you haven't. Is there something that God has been telling you that you need to stop doing right now, right where you are? Would you just ask him? Would you just ask? Would you just pray? God, God I, I want to hear your voice. I want to know what you want me to do. Just ask him right here, right now. And make a decision then. I'm going to obey. I know it's scary, but he'll give me faith and he'll help me. I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey everything that he says. He tells me to stop doing this. I'm going to obey today. He tells me that I I need to go and reach out to that person that I haven't yet. I'm going to obey today. That's what Jesus did. Philippians 2 says, And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. In other words, Jesus was willing to do whatever God told him to do. Are we? This morning, could we be those people? This morning, could we be the kind of people that say, whatever you say in my family, whatever you say in my life, whatever you say in my workplace, whatever you say reaching out to the city of Kyle, San Marcos, Buda, whatever you say, that's what I'll do. Some of you today, you may just need to say yes to him for the first time. Maybe today as we're talking and processing through this, you're thinking, I don't, I don't even know if I know him or who he is or what he's done. Scripture says that all of us have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. But, but if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just and he'll forgive us our sins. And he'll save us from all of our unrighteousness. It's pretty amazing. Jesus gave his life on the cross. God's only son. And his sacrifice meant that you didn't have to pay the price that sin costs. Sin costs death for everybody. It's a huge price to pay. Jesus said, I'll take that. You don't have to take it. I'll take it. And he paid it once and for all on the cross. He was buried in the tomb and he rose again three days later. Just so you and I could be restored into a relationship with God the Father that was broken because of that sin. It's an amazing story. And it's true. So today would you ask him? And right now, if that's you, in fact, let's just pray about that. And maybe pray a prayer like this one. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I give my life to you. I surrender. I've been living my own way, and I don't want to live that way anymore. So I repent. I I turn away from the old life I've been living. I'm going to turn into a new life in you. So God, forgive me for my sins. I believe you died on the cross, and I believe you rose again. And I believe because of that sacrifice, I can be free and forgiven and have a relationship with God receive that today and I thank you for it. I believe that this is happening and it's real and it's true. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good. We're going to worship the Lord here for a few minutes. So we're going to pass these elements. Just take them, hold them, and we'll receive together at the end. I just want to ask you, just keep asking the question, God, what is it that you want me to do? And listen to what he says. Let's worship God together.